Hey guys, Jacques here, and welcome back to another eavesdrop session. Today we're speaking about the future. What is it going to look like post COVID lockdown? How are we going to be able to identify opportunities? And if we are in this position where we're needing to start our own companies or perhaps try and rebuild our companies, what should we be focusing on? What in the company or rather the culture should we be looking to? It's going to add incredible value today. We know that there's a little bit of glitchiness at certain parts because the internet connection wasn't great. Please forgive that. But I know the content is incredible. You're going to benefit from it. And I do believe it's going to equip, motivate, and inspire you for the next season. So enjoy. Hey, Jacques, how are you, brother? <laughs> I'm getting yourself, Wes. Yeah, good, man. Fantastic. Good to see right. you again today. Yeah, man. You're looking quite cozy. Thank you. Yeah, it's a little bit fresh here in Joburg. <laughs> As that's what the beanie's on and keeping my hair nice and slick. I thought it was just a bad hair day. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. That's why we got it. <laughs> uh, Every day for me is a bad hair day, right? So you know, hey, but you rock it, eh? You rock it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Wes. Well, thanks for, for again coming on. I'm loving this. We're, we're getting so much out of this and I think the, the people watching as well. So um, we are, we've got, I mean, we've got tons of content uh, we've, we've got lined up and uh, I know we're going to have other people on as well that's going to be joining us in the next couple of weeks. So I'm excited for that. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for today as well. Do you want to quickly share about uh, what, because I mean, this was, this was your topic that you, that you brought to the table. Do you want to share a little bit about it and we can get into it? Yeah, where we're at in the current climate in in the world and in South Africa, because this is, you know, as much as what you attention to what's happening on a local platform, and, and, and yet it's the same language, um, where people are very worried about a lot of things. Mm. And in particular, they're worried about two things. Um, will I die? Okay. Yeah. And then if I don't die, I, will I survive this? Mm-hmm. And that's two different conversations, really. 100%. The one is around, will I die of, of coronavirus? Uh, um, and if I don't, how am I going to survive living after the lockdown? And what does the future look like? And, and mm-hmm. that's where the key is, is people are really concerned about the future. Yeah. So I think that's um, something that's, that's I've been chatting to a lot of people about. They've been chatting to me about the future. What does it look like? How does it work? Where we're going? Um, what does this new world look like? Um, the fact that everything is going to be different and things are going to be radically changed, you know. Um, so yeah, I think it's really around talking about the future, which in a way is um, a challenge because we don't know what the future looks like. Yeah. And then at the same time, quite exciting because it hasn't been designed yet, so we still get to do it. Mm. I think there's a, a great quote that I remember that says the best way to predict the future is to design it yourself. And yeah. I think we're in such yeah, an interesting yeah. space where uh, as much as we don't have if, in, in our own eyes, all that power to design the future, we do get to design our future because if Absolutely. we don't design it, someone else will. The question is, are we going to be yeah. happy with that design or are we going to wish that we'd actually put more effort into yeah. design it the way we want it yeah, to be? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, either way, the, the, the future is going to happen. Mm. 
you either create it around you or it's created for you. Yeah. But don't complain at the outcome of, of either one, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's the kind of thing where I think we need some stability, but we need some flexibility at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, learning to adapt, holding on to this time where things are changing so radically, mm-hmm. maybe holding on to those things on change. Um, and not holding on to everything that's going to change or everything that that used to be in the past, but learning to be a little bit more flexible and adaptable. Hmm. Yeah. Um, what, what I also think is, is a lot of people who are watching what's going on in the news, uh, the, the speculation that's coming up about the whole uh, COVID virus. I don't know if you've seen uh, the stuff on the news about what is to blame, what is COVID exactly. Um, and the fact that yeah. there are certain people in power who are pushing their own agendas uh, within this whole space. I think despite those powers, if you would, there's still a lot that we can do from our side that uh, uh, that would create the environment that we are looking for, at least to some degree. Uh, Jim Rohn said that we have to be aware that the same wind blows on all of us, but it's a set of the sails that determines the destination. So we're all caught up in the same storm, but how we set our sails is going to determine what our outcome is, if it's going to be preferential for us or whether we are just going to go with the breeze and end up where someone else is going to, Mm. going to be pushing us. So, sure. um, Yeah. I think we do have a lot of, a lot of power in ourselves in that space. Um, But we've got to understand the surroundings, uh, our immediate surroundings as well, understand what's going on around us to be able to navigate that. Yeah, that's very good. I think, you know, you can either get blown away or you can get blown towards. Mm. So your call as to, it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. So it's your call as to where you end up. 100%. Um, I think inside of that, though, you have to be somewhat proactive Mm -hmm. and somewhat reactive. Because of the fact that we may be going into an environment that we're not too familiar with, um, where things might be changing faster than we anticipated or even slower than we predicted yeah um you know the adaptability factor is key but you've got to learn how to respond and how to react and then how to be proactive at the same time Mm. so it's it's not just one of it's it's all of the above yeah um are there do you think there's any kind of markers we can look out for as to when we should be proactive versus reactive and vice versa I think um, opportunity is Mm -hmm. one of those markers Mm -hmm. that'll tell you when to be proactive and when to be reactive. Um, If you have a look at the clothing industry, perhaps, um, I think we've mentioned this briefly before, but a lot of the companies that were previously manufacturing clothing um, are now creating safety gear, Mm. uh, masks and stuff. And it's, it's the fact that they were positioned correctly, but they took the risk. So okay. they were already in manufacturing um, and using fabrics and creating a need. 
um, around clothes. This time, the need was already there. Mm. But what they did is they took what they are offering something different. So maybe they're not making clothes. They will go back to making clothes. But what, what this has done is it's given them a different revenue stream mm. um, and a different opportunity. So it's about being aware of the opportunity at the time. Mm. You know? And I think the, the, the best, perhaps, maybe not the definition, but uh, a great way of looking at it, because again, it's going to take also an entrepreneurial mindset in order to move forward uh, in the space to, 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 to grab hold of those opportunities that are, are lying there yeah. um, is the fact that you've got to find a need or you've got to find a struggle. You've got to find something that needs to have some sort of fix. There's got to be something that needs to needs um, some help. If you're, if the thing that you want to do is not necessarily needed, if it's just a luxury it's going to be harder to take the opportunity. You're going to have to almost build the opportunity yeah. for yourself. Um, so yeah. being able to spot the needs, which would represent, be represented as an opportunity. Sure, sure. I think, you know, you look at three things then. It's not just the need. There obviously mm -hmm. will be the need. Um, but what is in your skill set? Can you actually do this? Mm -hmm. Because you're going to be investing a certain amount of resources into um, creating something new for yourself, whether it be money or intellectual mm -hmm. property or time or relationships, whatever the case is. Um, so is it in your skill set? And if it isn't, can you uh, leverage a network that is prepared to offer you what you don't have yeah. and still add value to you? And then here's the deal. There might be a need for it. Um, you might even have the skill set, but are you actually able to make money off of it? Got you. Because if you're not able to make money, then, then it's kind of pointless. Um, even though I've, I've said before that business has more than one bottom line. Um, it's not just about profit. Mm. People need to profit. They're not just from money. But in this instance is when we talk about opportunity, um, is this opportunity going to be able to tick that box as well? Yeah. And I think that's what opportunity cost is, is twofold the skill set, the money that we could make and the needs around that. But then also opportunity cost comes from opportunity loss. Mm -hmm. So if we don't jump on that opportunity immediately, um, that tidal wave maybe disappears and, and you know, we don't end up riding it to the beach. We just get beached um, instead of paying attention to, Hey, listen, this is how these tides are working and you've got to catch that wave soon. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, and I think, again, coming back to what you said a little bit early, a little bit earlier, is that you've got to have part sustainability and part flexibility. Yeah. yeah oh, sorry, yeah. not sustainability. You yeah, have to I have think... part stability and part flexibility. Yes. Yeah. So you want anything in life, you want both of those. You want mm. stability, but you want flexibility as well you don't want to be so stable that you become stagnant mm -hmm. and you don't want to be so flexible that you become flippant in what you do. Um, so having the two together kind of brings balance. And sometimes you don't necessarily have that in yourself as one person. You might have the stability where somebody else has the flexibility. Yeah. And when you find the right partner to work with, um, where this partner has got a similar vision to you, 
they've got chemistry with you. Um, they've got the same amount of appetite for something. They understand risk. They understand potential. Um, but they're different to you. That's when you want to work with them. And you get on well. That's when you want to work with them. Yeah. And they can add value to you. That's when you want to work with them. And likewise, you know, they need to be asking the same questions about why should I work with him or her? Mm. And again, it's going, to, it's going to flow from the open communication that we are willing to have with each other is, is uh, you know, where can we add value to each other? What are the things? And I think it is it being completely open with the other person, allowing them to know, listen, I don't agree with this. This is a part of, if you would, what I feel very strongly about and coming to a, con, uh, a, uh, a consensus on a particular topic, navigating it. Yeah. which again comes back to having the right people uh, with the right ideas, having, uh, ideally having the right vision, the same vision going forward, mm. uh, or at least a very similar one. And also knowing sure. that it's, it, it's not necessarily going to be forever. I mean, you don't want to think about that, but again, it's seasonal. Some, one of the yeah. best quotes that, that I ever heard or, or someone shared with me is that success is not necessarily a lifetime definition what you believe success to be today is not what it's going to mean for you in 10 years time. It's seasonal. So Correct. the thing you've got to ask yourself yeah. is what does success look like to me now in this season? Yeah. And you, you surround yeah. yourself with the people that are going to help you with that and the people that you can help in that season to help you achieve that success, because it should never be a, a one-sided, you know, everything for me kind of success. I mean, that's not true fulfillment if you would. Um, so yeah, definitely having that, that synchro, uh, the sink, whatever the word is, sinking between the two of you uh, is, is obviously very key. One of the things I want to also just touch on to, to, <laughs> to get uh, uh, a little bit deep into that is when, when you're talking about the stability, what would some of the, the factors be that you would look for or that you would want to keep stable within your life uh, or in, in your ideology going forward, when you're meeting people, when you're dealing with people, trying to look for someone to partner with to, to bring in that other side yeah. that, you, that you can't really handle yourself? Yeah. I think two things there is culture and vision mm -hmm. um, and then values. So it's actually three. Um, you know, if you're partnering with somebody, number one, make sure that they have got similar values to you. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, what stability refers to for me there as well is what am I prepared to risk and what am I prepared to allow some opportunity to say, okay, I'm prepared to lose this, mm. um, but this is non-negotiable. Um, because you don't want to sell yourself out to something if it's not actually worth buying, as yeah. a matter of fact. Um, so the values that I think that you need to keep stable are the ones that have kept you going so far. Mm -hmm. But it's a funny thing because values are one of those things that should be valuable. They give you the ability to achieve something. Um, it's like when I work with, with clients around values, you know, often we talk about communication being a value and yet it's probably one of the biggest frustrations that they have. Yeah. And the reason for that is because a frustration is an unmet need or want. Um, so when they talk about like communication being our value and yet we're not doing it, that's where they get the frustration from. But it's also understanding what a value really is, because I don't think that communication is a value. 
I think what it is, is a vehicle. Yes. And vehicles tend to break down. So communication breaks down, but a vehicle takes you to places. So what communication will do for you is it'll take you to a place of understanding. Mm. So what you really value is the understanding, not necessarily communication. Communication is a tool and we use tools correctly to achieve understanding. So understand what your values really, really are and what you think is valuable and understand and know why you believe that. Um, why do you believe what you believe? Because so often we believe that these are our values and, and I believe in this so firmly that I am absolutely prepared to die for this. Mm. And as a matter of fact, I'll probably kill for this. The scary thing is you're just not prepared to live for it. Sure. The reason you're not prepared to live for it is because you actually don't understand. Very and, good. And you don't find it valuable. Then if we look at, at vision is, can you partner with somebody who has a different vision to you? No, I don't think you can. Mm. I don't think you should. Um, and in saying that, is it somebody that you want to partner with or is it somebody that you should actually just employ? Because you don't always want to just partner with the first person that you have chemistry with and that there's a synergy and you guys think similar and, and you have fun together. Because maybe um, on two different journeys and you've invested a lot of time and energy and, and money into this and, and you end up going in two different journeys anyway. Mm. So make sure that that person that you partner with um, has clarity of vision and so do you. And then don't necessarily start a company. Sure. Um, even though that, that we're talking about opportunity now um, and the fact that the nice thing about the future is that it hasn't happened, so we still get to design it. And people are able to start companies, don't. What you want to start is a culture. Mm. And I'll tell you why. When you start a company, people are attracted to your company for the package that you're going to be paying them. Mm. And in the beginning, they need that money. And then eventually their lifestyle increases and they haven't fully bought into you as a leader or a visionary or, or whatever the case is, a coach. Um, and they want to start upgrading their lifestyle, but what you're paying them doesn't help them do that. So they start looking around mm. and they leave your organization for one rand more. Because at the end of the month, we're always one rand short. And um, so for one rand more, one thousand rand more, 10,000, you've put all your time and effort into this person um, and they leave to go to the opposition or they mm. leave to become opposition. But they've taken everything that you've given them over that period and they've, they've moved it to somewhere else. So that's what happens when people start a company. They're attracted to you for the package. Mm. But when you start a culture, you're not even talking about a company. You're not even talking about the package. You're talking about something far bigger than who we are. Mm -hmm. And we know that in culture, three things happen. People believe, belong, and behave. Do they believe in what we do? Do they belong here? Can they add to this? Can they contribute versus just consume? And do they behave in such a way that we can replicate who we are even when we're not around um, as leaders? And um, 
you know, I think if, if you have a look at that, a lot of leaders are saying to me, where's my staff are just not buying into this. They're not sold out. So I said, well, what are you selling them? Hmm. What's the cost attached to that? Because if they don't understand that there's a cost attached to it, they're not actually going to be a part of this and they're not going to want to um, contribute to that. So they've got to understand that you, you have to be a contributor as well. I think that's why culture versus company is so much more important because inside of that is that vision, is that energy. It's the why we do what we do. Mm. Very good. Uh, I love that. So culture, vision, and values, obviously all things that you don't necessarily want to, uh, I mean, you don't want to compromise. You don't want to give it away. You don't want to lose that within yourself. Um, I think again, yeah. like you're saying, the culture is, 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 I think it's an extension of who you are. Uh, you can't try and build a culture that's not you. If you're trying to build a, that's not, build a culture that's not you, you're going to, I mean, you're going to frustrate everyone, including yourself. Um, and I think, like you said, don't build a business first, build a culture. That culture will eventually, yeah. if it's got the legs, if it's got the, the makeup to become a business, will eventually get there. But then that business still has to carry your personality, has to carry who you are. One of those things, like you said, that you, yeah. you need to be stable about. But then when it comes to the flexibility, what are... because You'll, you'll get those people who perhaps don't understand necessarily what it is that they are uh, looking for, but then you're also going to get those people who are so set in what they want and, and what they have that they're not going to be flexible enough. What are the certain things that you'd want that you would look for in being flexible to design the, the future? Sure. I think that is greatly specific to the context of that individual at that point in time. So it's, it's a fairly difficult question for long. But for example, um, you know, how fast is this person prepared to adapt to change? Because yes, we've, the one thing that we've got to keep firm in, in front of us all the time and, and, and be stable on and be almost dogmatic about is our vision and this is what we want to achieve um but it's the how you get there mm. that may need to flex a little bit you know we can put out a roadmap for the organization um but the map is never ever the territory so we draw up this big map and we think fantastic but until you actually get to the territory where the map's showing you to go things by that stage have shifted mm. in the environment maybe there's a pothole maybe there's a roadblock maybe Maybe uh, there's been a rock collapse and now that whole road's closed and now you've got to go a different route. So it's about the adaptability um, that you're saying, listen, I want somebody who's flexible enough to change like that if yeah. we need to. Because what happens is we become so bulky in our thinking, um, in our headspace, that we're no longer nimble on our feet. So have that vision, be, be strong and firm on that vision but be able to say, hey, listen, based on the current circumstance, let's learn to flex a little bit more, mm. you know? So it's a difficult question to, to answer. Um, and like I said, I think it does come down to the person's um, current situation where mm. they're at. But you used a great term just now around communication. I think that is key, is when something needs to shift, don't be so afraid of um, having a messy discussion about something that you stay away from it. Mm. The sooner something comes up, talk about it. Yeah. You know, that's that it's, it's almost that 
a microwave conversation versus your pressure cooker conversation. Yeah. Get it into the microwave, get that popcorn popping. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's consume this. Let's move on. But if we put something to stew over hours and hours and hours and hours until that pressure cooker blows, man, we're in trouble. Yeah. So be on top of things straight away. So um, now, obviously, to, ha to have that kind of discussion, uh, okay, so you're going to be, number one, you're going to be a good leader uh, of people to, to manage it. And the nice thing is that leadership can be learned and it can be grown and it can be adapted. Yeah. Um, to have that kind of discussion, I think there's two points that need to come into play. Number one is that you've got to understand uh, that it's, it's going to be better for the other person to have that discussion not just for them, but for the entire environment that they're going to be a part of. Um, but the second thing is also you're going to be sensitive to who they are and, and how they are in order to, yeah. to manage the way that you are communicating it, the way that you are structuring the conversation. Um, and, and inside of that, taking as much as you can't take yourself out of the situation, at least minimizing your own bias your own bent to the situation because we can come in and say listen this is what i've seen this is how i see it this is what uh what is going on without saying okay what is your situation uh, we've noticed this how is this playing out have you noticed this uh can you see the shift in what's happening are you struggling with it how can we help you so coming at it from more of a helpful position than a blaming position yeah yeah, I think you you spot on there. I think the key there is to go back to understanding, mm -hmm. um, where understanding is not necessarily agreeing, but understanding. It's a supportive perspective. It's an approach yes. to something. It's it's the way you do it as well. So we looked at that you do stuff. We looked at why you do stuff, um, but it's about the way you do stuff. So that's the approach to things. Mm. Um, and remember that your vision is built by the hands of volunteers yes. as well. And what I mean by that is that, uh, where's no, they're not volunteers. We're actually paying them. I'm like, yeah, you're paying them, but they don't need to be, here. they can use their skills to make their own money somewhere else. So they're volunteering in brackets, um, their time. Um, so your approach to them is, is critical. I think it's, it's how you speak to them. Mm. Go in asking questions versus making statements if yeah. at all possible, because you look like a better leader and a better human being when you come in and you say, Hey, listen, this is what's happened. Give me your perspective because they may even know something that you don't. Yeah. Um, and you know, when you, when you approach it in that way, I think is, is questioning versus accusing mm. um it helps and also in saying that if if at the same time let's not forget that the vision is always bigger than the individual yeah so you don't want to hurt the vision but you definitely don't want to hurt people at the same time mm. you know and respect respect mm. as well you know if you respect them you respect the vision you respect what um, the fact that they're contributors, respect them like adults. Don't ever say things like this, you know, I, I didn't pay you to think, I paid you to do. Mm. Well, then don't hire people. Yeah. You know, you've got to hire thinkers as well as doers, but people who you've given the mandate to think about what they do and why they do it and respect your business as if it was your client. Mm. Because quite often what happens is, is we start these things 
Um, and we'll be prepared to do absolutely whatever it takes to make money because we're desperate to make money. Um, and so for our clients, we would do absolutely anything. Well, why don't we treat our business like we treat our clients and respect that the same way? Have a relationship with your business as well. Understand mm. your business. Yeah. And we learn to understand our business from our clients because they probably know more about our business than we do. Mm. As a matter of fact, because we're offering them a service that they've been leading for the longest time and just haven't got it. Mm -hmm. um, but then the people that we've got on board might know a little bit more about our business than we do. Yeah. And that's why we hire people. Absolutely. Uh, the fact, I mean, there's no point in hiring another one of you. I mean, you've got enough of you yeah. in the company anyway. You don't need someone who's just going to, I mean, to be a yes man is not, is not valuable because I can have my own thoughts at my own time and decide my own things as I, as I want. I don't need someone else to just validate everything I'm saying. As a matter of fact, mm. uh, I mean, it's the same in anything in life. The only time that you really grow from something is once you fail at it. And to have those people who, in the spaces that perhaps you fail the most and more, most regularly, to have someone in that space who can say, um, okay, well, I see that you're failing here. Here's my perspective. And yeah. bringing in those outside elements to, to help, um, it does. It takes a, a whole lot of humility in that as well. One thing that you did mention, and I, 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 would, I would say this because I believe in South Africa specifically, uh, when you spoke about treat your business as you would your clients, it's such a key idea, but I think there's also a lot of people who don't necessarily understand how to treat their clients. Um, now, I don't want to get too much into this because I, I think that there's so much to unpack here that it should actually be another discussion. But sure. uh, I mean, I've, I've spent some time with you to, and, and seen how you've both spoken into my life in this sort of way uh, and seen you represent this as well is you've got uh, such a high, you feel that high responsibility for other people because you know that you're giving them value and that you want to, you want to give them all that you can and more. But that's not necessarily where a lot of people are in their business. Um, so I think we're going to have to speak around that perhaps at a later stage about what does it actually mean? Like how should we actually treat our clients? There's an incredible book that uh, I've gone through recently, which is called... Uh, the Thank You Economy by Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm. And it, it was an incredible uh, eye-opener as to, if I had to look at South Africa right now, if, if any business wants to be successful in South Africa now, especially coming out of this lockdown period, to apply the Thank You Economy in the sense of adding as much value as you can, appreciating the clients as much as you can, uh, going out of your way where you can to help them, if a company can simply offer that, it's going to go a long way to achieving the success that they're trying to, to get to without needing um, so much of the politics within the business to try and make it run as smoothly and as, as, as yeah. crisply as possible. It's that, like I said, it's yeah. that relationship that you're building. It's that partnership that you're actually building with your clients. And if you can build that within your own environment, within your own culture, it's going to catapult it even further because then you and your, the people you're, you're, you're going on this journey with are speaking the same language, treating people the same way. And people would rather come to you and your collective than they would go to someone else who just has a pretty website and has some credentials under them. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Um, but I think that it starts internally first mm. is that whoever's leading the organization needs to understand that he's got two clients. 
-hmm. He's got the clients who work for him and he's got the clients who pay him. Um, so the, the first set are obviously the staff that, that he pays um, and treat those people with the dignity and the respect and the honor that is due to them. Um, and, you know, be prepared to serve them and engage with them and know that that's, it's, it's our business, not my business. This is mm -hmm. our business. This is our opportunity. Um, I'm creating a platform perhaps for that. Um, but you creating the hands so that, yeah. you know, um, we can achieve it. And then, you know, going back to the fact that what is it that, that we, we talk about lately is, you know, we need to be customer centric. Mm. And I'm like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. Why do we have to have that conversation? Surely customer centricity is what it's about anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, is the customers at the center of everything? And if we started understanding that our, our customers are in fact, not just our customers, but they're in fact our partners mm. in building our business and we partner with them in building theirs, instead of just selling them a service or a product, we now sell them a relationship. We sell them a partnership. We sell them intellectual property. Um, we sell them thought leadership mm. um, and we give that, when I say sell, we give that as a value add yes. because you want to be the go-to person in that um, relationship anyway. Mm. So, yeah, I think we can explore that further, but I think it's about understanding the dynamics of having clients on the inside of your business and clients on the outside of your business. Mm. No, definitely. Um, and I think the way that you structured it there almost echoes what uh, Zig Ziglar used to say. He said, you can have everything in life you want if you're, help, if you're willing to help enough other people get what they want. And yeah. it's, it's a matter of helping them get what they want is not just, I can, I can help you with, what I, with the service that I provide. It's, okay, so I see your, your vision. I see what you're trying to achieve. And as much as this is what I offer, I can perhaps help you in X, Y, and Z as well, even if it's just for direction, um, rather than saying, well, this is all we do and we're not touching anything else. We're not, we're not going to try and add value in any other way. Uh, understanding yeah. that it's not, it's not just that particular issue that you're trying to solve. You're trying to help them further their vision as well. Um, Correct. So the, Correct. And that's like you said, it's, it's not just the clients outside. It's the clients inside. It's the people who are working uh, with you and around you, the people inside your business, inside your culture, they've got a vision for their lives. It doesn't directly relate to yours. They've got something they want to achieve as well. How can you in dealing with them and creating an environment where they can, can uh, succeed as well? How's that helping them to achieve their vision for their life, for their family, for their future? How are you? Because as much as you might be the leader in the situation, you are also the one who's going to equip them to be a leader in their life, in their family, in their relationships. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's about asking the right questions perhaps. Mm. Um, and we might not have the right questions to start off with. So mm. it's just, let's ask some questions. Oh, and brilliant. the more we ask, the, the better we get at, at asking. I think I always talk about the five, five, five principle. Mm -hmm. um, I had a year, a friend years ago who, who stuttered a lot and um, he used to rip himself off from stuttering and he told me this thing that happened five, five, five years ago. <laughs> was that 15? <laughs> but um, it was just five. But, but inside of that, I learned this. 
I know, it's shocking, eh? <laughs> but it's okay, because he used to rip me off for not stuttering. So that was the kind of relationship <laughs> that we had. Great guy, as a matter of fact. Fantastic. Still mates with him. Um, but ask five people five questions for five days and mm. see what you come up with. Uh, um, ask them anything. Ask your clients anything. What are you not getting from, from a, a supplier that you really, really wish? If, if the one thing in your, in your business could change, what would it be? What do you mm. think that you need? And, and clients are very quick to, to say, hey, listen, wow, I'm so glad somebody's asked me mm. because I've been wanting to say this, but I just didn't know how. Um, I remember asking a client, what's going to take you or rate your business out of 10? And he said to me, it's about a seven. I said to him, what's it going to take to go to, go to eight? I don't, know, I don't care about nine and 10, right? I mm. care about eight because that's the next step. Mm. And... Um, he said to me, this and this and this. And I said to him, well, I can help you the first two, but the second and the third one, I can't really help you with. And um, that's all of a sudden where I learned what his needs were yeah. as well by just asking it the kind of question, rate your own business out of 10, seven, eight, right? Mm. What's it going to take to go to the next level? Mm. How do we do this? Um, and inside of that, I helped him clarify his needs. And I knew that I had a road in to help solve his problems Brilliant. because people are prepared to pay for you more to solve their problems than for you to sell your products. 100%. That's brilliant. Whereas uh, like, I think that's, that's been incredible for me. If I had to summarize what we've spoken about today, it would be um, number one that we've got to ask questions. We've got to get into the deeper things rather than just looking at the surface. You know, we, we do ask the surface question, what's the future going to look like? But firstly, we need to ask ourselves the question, what do we want it to look like? Where are we now? Um, and how can we help other people to get there as well? So um, it's, it's, you know, ask the right questions and yeah. make sure that you're not just asking them of yourself, but ask them of people that you not necessarily, that you wouldn't usually speak to. I think we've got sure. the people around us who we hear from every single day. Um, maybe not so much now in lockdown, but we, we, we speak to them on a regular basis and we understand how they think. What we need is people who are going to think differently, who are going to challenge yeah. the way that we think, who are going to challenge our perspective yeah. of life. So, um, I mean, I would throw that, that challenge out, ask five people, five questions for five days and see what you get out of that. How much value is that actually going to add mm. to your life? How much value could you add to other people's life just from the information that you gather from that? Um, sure. So, Whereas for me, that's, I mean, that's great. That's, that's a lot that I've come, come out of it with. Is there anything else that you want to add to the conversation? Any other thoughts yeah, that you I wanted think, to touch on before we, we head out? Sure. I think maybe just as a, as a parting shot here is to go back to our initial question around, you know, the future and what is it going to look like? Mm. Um, that's out of our control. Sure. So maybe a better question is, uh, what will I look like wow. in the future mm. versus what will the future look like? Because I'm not in control of the future, but I am in control of me. Mm. And let's rather ask something that we're in control of to a certain degree, because we can actually put some things in place. We can, we can create some habits. We can create some designs. Um, and maybe that's where it starts is what will I look like in the future? Mm. So I prepare myself now and the, I create a world around me versus the world around me creating me.